Hello, listeners. This is uh, Cooper Cherry, and I'd like to welcome you guys to the very first 21st Century Schizoid podcast. Um, today, our guest is Marwan Nihad. Um, Marwan's a good friend of mine. Um, he's from Iraq. We're going to talk about his experiences growing up in Iraq um, during the, both Gulf Wars, his um, experience in coming to the U.S., and uh, actually, he recently became a citizen. So, um, Marwan... It's great to have you on the day. How oh yeah, man. I'm 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 glad to hear to be here now. Marwan, so glad. You know it's sad. I don't even know how old you are. How how old are you? Um, precisely thirty three years old. Thirty three. And I'm about to be thirty four. Uh, actually, next next month, June sixth. June sixth. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm I'm thirty four myself. I'm about to be mm-hmm. thirty five. So we're pretty cl- pretty close in age and experience. So. I, you know, I wanted to start off just kind of hearing, like, wh- what was your experience growing up in Iraq? Where where were you even born? Like, tell us a little bit of background about... Um, I mean, I'm from the center of Iraq. It's the capital, Baghdad. I was born in 1983, June 6th. And uh, when I turned seven years old, I went to the first grade, and it was like almost 1989. And I was uh, living at the, uh, actually, you can say the nicest neighborhood in, in the capital. I mean, I, uh, I'm originally from uh, a good, wealthy family back in the days, like back in Saddam's days. You know, I mean, I didn't feel the poverty and all that stuff. You know, like uh, when you're like a homeless or you can't get a job. Or I was spoiled kid, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've I've never seen any any hard time getting a. Uh, money for my family or something yeah so um i was spoiled and um one of the weird uh actually if you well if i could say that uh one of the weird things i used to do at the high school mm-hmm. not the high school the other one like primary school or like the one before the high school okay yes um and because of it i got suspended actually three times it was very weird, but it, I guess we're all weird. So um, what I used to do on break times, you know, between classes, I used to go uh, to a girl's restroom. <laughs> just <laughs> just like curious, looking at them and what do they have? And, right. and I, oh my God, like the teachers, they're like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And I just, it was one of the weird things I used to do. I don't know. Yeah, so um, no, I, I can't say that I miss those days, but it's right. just yeah. What What did your parents do for work? My, my um, well, um, my dad he was uh, he was a judge, and a chief of police of the capital of Baghdad. Oh wow! Yes, so um, he was uh, an ex member of the ex regime, Saddam's okay. regime. He was a very powerful man in the in the regime. To be honest, uh, we had bodyguards we had maids uh, we had a big house and cars and everything right. and actually if you if you a- if you get the chance to ask my father himself about Saddam if you still like him or not he would tell you I still love you know the guy and I don't know it's just one of the things you know what's kind of crazy is this morning um I was driving so I do ride sharing with ride Austin and I'm listening to NPR and they had on a physician, and the physician was from Iraq, and he had actually 
was the he kind of supervised the execution. So he like oh yeah. went to Saddam's cell and says you know walks him to the gallows and everything. But it was crazy because this doctor had actually been tortured by the regime. True, <laughs> true. Uh, m many of them, a lot, to be honest. Not only that, but since he was kind of a political dissident there, yes. Um, his mother, I think she had a, a kidney issues or something, so they couldn't. He couldn't get the dialysis treatment mm -hmm. because he, you know, because of his political activism. So she actually ended up dying as a result. Oh, but I thought yeah. that was just kind of crazy coincidence that you know I'm having you on today and I'm oh, yeah. kind of hearing this. It was kind of random. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So wow, you guys, it were, is. your parents were like part of the the party, the bath party. They were, yeah. Oh, yeah, especially my dad. I mean, my mom, she was, uh, like, she met him in Moscow, Russia, okay. back in the 70s. Oh, that's crazy. And she speaks Russian, he speaks Russian. So uh, he went there to well, do some, you know, like, uh, government classes with the Russians and stuff. Right. And uh, he met my mom, and, you know, they had a relationship, and then they got married, and that was 1980. And since then, until, until 2000... Five, actually. My dad had to leave the country because of, you know, I don't know what you call it, like revelation or not another, um, you know, like a lot of uh, conservative, can I say? I mean, people who are very religious, very strict, came right. from out of the country and they already have that much of hate for the ex-regime. And he was right. from the ex-regime, so he had to exile, I guess you can call it, right. you know, escape or something. Okay, so, so in in terms of religion, I mean, I guess the the Baptist part Bath Party was pretty secularized. Actually, no, it was really? uh, you can call it modern. It was against the the, the whole religion concept. Okay, because uh, as I remember, we we back in his times, and I'm not trying to defend his. I mean, he did good things and right. he did bad things. But from my from my uh, experience living in his time, right. Uh, most of my life, I don't have to say as a spoiled kid, but you know, like uh, if you want to talk about safety wise, uh, 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 people are educated and then all these things in education, it was, it was much better than, than now. You know, people used to speak multiple languages, forced to, to speak multiple languages, you know, to, to know, to be, to have the enough knowledge to deal with the society or other societies right. in the world and everything. And uh, I remember in his time, we had, what was it, like the education was for free. Mm -hmm. uh, water was for free. Electricity was for free. Plus, um, if you want to talk about safety, I remember I used to even uh, like leave my car in the middle of nowhere unlocked and literally nobody would like mess with it. Especially on the... Um, what do we call like a call for a call of prayer times? You know when people go to the mosques because right. we we used to live with each other. Like uh, if you're talking about religion wise, mm -hmm. uh, Christians, uh, uh, Muslims, Jews, Yazidis, all those people. So on the call of prayer times, uh, I remember I've seen it myself. Like either Christians or especially the Muslims, they used to leave their stores open. Let's say if we if we can call like a mall. Or a super big supermarket. People leave their stores open, go to prayer at the uh, at the mosque, and nobody, like literally nobody, mess with with their stores. So wow. if, yeah, and uh, that's, I think it's because of his strict 
laws against the people who steal or something. We had the execution penalty back in the day, right. and he was very, he was very strict about it. Like if you steal, we will like it will be punishable probably by death, I guess, or something. Right, that's a pretty big deterrent. Oh yeah. So, what what was your thought process like? How did that kind of impact you growing up? Because I know myself, like in America, I'm very much immersed in, you know what I mean? It's like I didn't really gain that sort of mature perspective on life until like much later. Like, you know, once I'm out of high school and in college, then that's kind of really when I started to have a better understanding of like, you know, kind of what the climate actually is in the U.S., mm-hmm. for example. Um, well, it's 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 actually cultural wise. Uh, we, we, we seek uh, culture values. You know, we don't just, we don't, the, the, if you talk, if you want to know about the freedom over there, even freedom has limits over there. Used to. Uh, like, you can't just do whatever you want. Like There is limits, there is laws, there is, everything has, has a wall. Right. You, know, you, you can't just pass it or walk through it or something. And uh, we pretty much very serious people about how to treat your family, your friends. And I mean, uh, uh, like, if you want to talk about friends wise, I always say that I, um, if I can say this quote, I mean, if you don't mind me, uh, friends are my, I have to translate, I mean, translate it in English first because it's in Arabic. Okay. So friends are much like tits. Some are fake, some are real. You better have the real ones. So yeah, I, uh, I had the real ones back in the days. Of course, I do have some of them here and you, you one of them. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud to say that. And, uh, but I'm, um, as I said, over there, we, we, like, we used to take care of each other. And it's not about just for, uh, beneficial reasons. Like, I have to, if I give you something, you have to give me something back. We don't have that. Like, that's, that's what I miss, to be honest. Uh, honesty, respect, because we, as, uh, like, as people, we, most of us, we, we seek respect, not attention, because respect lasts longer than life. That's what I've been taught and raised. And um, I miss the education. I know it was, it's pretty much more complicated than here because it's over here it's like what, multiple choices with the questions you got, like if the answers or something. Uh, and you got a lot of sources to find the, the answer by, you know, if you know what I mean, that over there, like you have to explain like the, un- right. the, the question, like the answer for the question or something. So um, those, you know, some of the things that I miss, you know, life what do you got for me buddy (laughs) so uh let's see so like during high school kind of like what what was that like like what did you what did you and your buddies do on the weekends or you know what was what was that aspect of life like for you well our entertainment time if you can call it let's say the weekends the weekends over there it's not actually saturday and sunday right it's actually um it's actually Friday, Saturday. So uh, you get off school, and I was like, what, 10, 12 years old? And we go to, I'm sorry, we go to a hookah bar. <laughs> and all we do just smoke hookah, and we put some stuff in it, you know, just to <laughs> loosen it up and relax. And um, that's, that's about it. It's all about smoking hookah, cigarettes, and uh, watching some Haji Mutant movies and stuff. You know, it's not... It's just nothing about the Western world, like not American movies, not no, nothing. It's all about Arabic. 
world movies or whatever you call it, TV shows or something. Right. And if you talk about girls-wise, we didn't... It was a little hard for us to, like, hang out with a girl. Like, it was, you can say, impossible to go <laughs> ask the girl's parents to say, you know, we're hanging out or something. Now, right. you will... They will, you know, you will end up very, like, with the broken bones, at least. You, know, <laughs> you just can't. It's hard to, to get along or find a girl who could really hang out with you. Right. Even as a friend or something. No, there is, like, limits. What about in school? Were you, was it an all-male school? Or were they separated by, um, by gender? It was separated by gender at the uh, ninth grade. But before that, from the first until the eighth, it was like uh, both genders. And we yeah, we had some fun times, you know, with the girls, especially me, to be honest. You know, <laughs> I, uh, like I used to take some of the girls to the fourth floor and just, you know, play with them and see what they got in there, you know. I want to <laughs> see if they have the third leg like me, you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it was it was one of the weird things and fun things that I used to, I used to do at the at the school if you want to know about the college wise it was two genders both genders you know uh, and you can say uh what 40 percent of the girls were uh were covered the okay. rest were, were not covered i mean I, my, my ex-girlfriend she was not covered she was like barely wearing like the western way i guess western style or whatever right. you call it yeah i mean like you know, the tight jeans a regular shirt and everything you know and I remember her family didn't force her to be covered or something. It was her right. choice, something like that. So uh, that's what I, that's what I was, you know, doing. I studied actually. What was it? Major. My major was uh, business administration. Okay. Or you guys call it business management? I guess. Is it the same? I think it's same a, terms. A, I guess. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably a similar concept. I graduated when I was what twenty two. I guess. Yeah. Let's say 22, because I really don't remember this. You don't remember? Wh what you, was that around what? Uh, 2005. 2005, okay. Yeah. So that I was start working with the with the, the U.S. military in 2004. 2004. So, so what was that like in, in 2003 in the run-up to the invasion, like, be beforehand? Like, what were you guys hearing in the media, or was there, like, what, the, what was the that like? Yeah, the infidels are coming in. Right. The infidels are coming in to rape your woman. To take your children away from you and uh, bring, as they call it, the fake democracy, but they are bringing the devil's way of loosing the traditions and, and, and culture and everything. They will make you. They're here for a couple of uh, some reasons, as I remember. They used to say, like um, killing the uh, religion, uh, separate uh, the separation of Christians and Muslims and Jews. And unfortunately, that that did happen actually. Uh, bringing liberation, and but it it was it was totally a different thing. They believed they were bringing the liberation and to liberate the people, as the media used to say. And uh, but they're not. They are the devil's sons. They're just bringing all kind of um, uh, corruption. Right. You know. So just be aware of it. Just prepare to defend your family, friends, and everything. So that that was our pretty much our media at the, at the time of the war. And how did that 
like what was your thought process or feeling at I that was, time? Um, you can say I was just a naive uh, teenager. Like I just didn't know. And although I used to, I used to listen to my dad. He, I mean, he didn't say that much. He was like, just go to the uh, basement because we had a big, big house. So we had a basement. So the, you know, the bombs just start happening and everything. And, uh, um, I remember my dad had an interview on the, on the radio. It was also a podcast during the wartime, by the way, which I never told this, I said that before. Um, and they were asking him why they calling us terrorists, you know, like the Western world and right. everything. And he says, well, um, it's simple. You keep bombing. If you keep bombing civilian, innocent, innocent civilians, and uh, you will, uh, their, their kid, their child, their, their children, you will make them hate you. You will make, they will become your enemy sooner or later, either five right. years from now, 10 years from now, and it did happen. And that was like almost, what, seven years, 17 years ago and something? So, and he said it at that time, and it did happen. You know, and he was like, he was saying, you, you need to stop bombing innocent civilians. And he, it's just the one person, which is he was talking about Saddam. He liked the, the guy, but it was like a political wise, I guess, or benefits. I don't know what was the agenda, but he was like, right. if it is a one guy, you can just take him out, but leave the... Uh, civilians uh, out of it but you, you keep just bombing cities and i mean and I, I remember myself one of my cousins lost his house and his entire family and um, it was by a bomb so you know so it's just one of the you can call it like a horrible things i faced or experience right. and i was what 21 21 20 20 years old i guess 22 or something you know, between 19 and 20, I guess. Yeah. And I remember, like, my dad was like, son, I know it's, um, I know we're facing a very horrible times right now, but just be strong because no matter what happens, even if you lose me or you lose your mother, your brothers, you know, that, that by the time of the war, he's like, no matter what happens, just, I mean, Monday's still coming, so don't don't worry about it. You you'll you'll live, you'll be fine. And I kept, you know, kept that in my mind. And it, you know, you can say I survived. I guess you know. Those. Right. So, uh, but um, after that, it was what two thousand two thousand four. I was in my third year uh, at the college and the university. Uh, I remember I was trying to find a job because, you know, like after the war, the, it was the, the, the process of the establishment of, of the new regime or something, you know, right. because Saddam was, you know, they cut him off. Uh, so they were literally, they were, there was no law, no rules, no police, no military. Uh, like I'm talking about Iraqi military, right. or poli like no law, nothing. You can just go kill kill someone and nobody can like you know punish you for it or t take you to jail we didn't even have prison actually what 99 percent of the, actually all of them the people who used to be in the prison at the time they were all like just escaped and my as i remember my father used to say after the war he was like probably those 
half of those guys, the, the one who escaped from the prison, probably become ISIS or become something very, you know, evil right. or whatever, you know, for some unknown reasons. But um, for me, I... Um, Jeez. I was looking for a job, couldn't find any. So I ended up crying in my room. Uh, uh, my dad came and he was like, what's going on? And I was like, dad, um, I can't find a job. I mean, I'm about to graduate and, and I should be, you know, it's a degree and I need to take advantage of it. You need to use it. But he was like, don't worry about it. Just you're not, you're not stupid. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. And he was like, come on. Remember this, life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. Are you are you stupid? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay, get up. And we have a quote like, okay, get up, get your, get, get your ass on the camel and just go. And I was like, okay, but I don't right. have my camel. And he was like, really? Just, it's, 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 it's a metaphor. Just shut up and get up and just do your thing, you know, as a man. And since then, I found um, like a little spot on the newspaper mm -hmm. in Baghdad. That it says, looking for uh, a linguist for the U.S. military. We paid this, this, this. It was, by the time it was what? Um, they don't pay every two weeks right. over there. Like, it's like once a month. Okay. Every, like, end of every month. And uh, it was like, what, about $1,300 mm -hmm. every month? It was, it, was, it was good money. Right. And, and, and back that. And I remember that was what... Um, Back in two thousand four, so um, it was it was an experience. It was one of the things. It was fun. But so going back to that time, I'm kind of curious. So you said there were like the law enforcement was non-existent. How like mm -hmm. how how did you guys survive? Like where was the your food and? Oh yeah, that's and, like, actually yeah that, that aspect. Of we life. we did have something called. I guess you guys can call it the black market. Right. So the black market, like, um, have, uh, you know, fruits, vegetables, meats, everything. And uh, just the people start making that, by, with the, you know, by, with themselves, you know, without the government help because there were no government, nothing, you know, for like, uh, what, six months, I guess, as I remember. And... Um, it was hard. Like, instead, you used to eat five meals a day. You would end up just eating barely two meals a day. Water, we didn't have that much of water. It's all, a, it's all from the, you know, the sink you can call or whatever, you know. And uh, we didn't have uh, electricity. I, used to, I remember my dad bought a, a small generator. So we, we pretty much had eight hours of electricity a day. Well. I know, and uh, we didn't have uh, water. We, we had it for four hours a day. So you can say, uh, if you want to talk about taking a shower, oh, God, it's like probably once every three days or something, or four days, or something like that. So it was one of the, the, the difficult times that we faced. And I, because, of the, because of that, I always try to tell my friends here in the States, like if they face a problem or something, I always go like, man, just try to be thankful, you know, because right. there were like millions of people out there would love to have what you got. So just be thankful, you know, who cares, whatever, just live your life, you know? Right. Yeah. That's definitely, I'm, I'm kind of jealous, to be honest, of that 
perspective oh. because I'm, you know, I'm just a spoiled American guy that no, it's, you know, it's, has it's, never it's, really like I, you know, I <laughs> suffer some kind of existential dread, but not like a direct like where I'm having to wait three days to shower or like you know eight I mean, hours of ele- electricity. I mean, even you know, at my roughest time, I'm probably not anywhere close to that. So, jeez, oh, um, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, thanks, but uh, it's 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 just a different world, you know, right. d- different people, and and it's all about surviving. I, conceitedly, I'm going to say it proudly. I know how to survive right, right now. Even if you let me live without my phone, without any, I I know how to survive. Right. Yeah. So going into this this job as a linguist with the army, like, what was your father like? How did he feel about that? And um well my family didn't say anything but except my dad actually (laughs) (laughs) he was like i mean i i mean went to uh, i got the newspaper as i mentioned earlier the the one that says you know looking for linguists and right so uh there was like a number on on the newspaper that says call this number to set up like an appointment or an interview or something it was like a a test an english test it was like a hundred questions you if you I remember it was, I don't know if it was like if you answer 50 or 60 of them, you would pass right. or something. So I called and they're like, yeah, come in. And it was uh, located at the green zone. It was, it was one of the, you know, it w- where the American embassy located at. There's, it's actually in the capital of Baghdad. So I went there the next day. So I got the test. I passed it. And um, at the same day, they're like, okay, you will start. Uh, they sent me to Taji military base. It's it's uh, out of Baghdad. It's like um, almost seventy two, seventy five miles from from this, you know, from the capital. Um, but when my dad find out, I mean, I told him, of course. I was right. like, Dad, you know, be happy for me. <laughs> oh, I got a job finally. And he's like, Oh yeah, cool. What is it? And I was like, um, It's a good job, you know, translation and everything. And I was like. But I didn't know you. You speak Russian. I mean, you, you, you know, it's just me and your mom and your oldest brother. You know, you were just a kid. You know, you didn't, you know, uh, you didn't get the language from. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's it's totally a different thing. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you know, English. And he's like, okay, with who? And I was like, you know, the. And I was like, you know, the the people who came here. The and he was like, mother, you know, just say the the uh, the infidels, huh? <laughs> He's like, so you working with the infidels? You want to become like them? And he start. He was pissed at the time, and I was like, Dad, it pays good. It pays almost fifteen hundred. And he's like, Huh? Okay. I mean, you could just. <laughs> so it was one of the funny right. moments, you know. But he didn't like it at the beginning. Oh, I can imagine. So they and they weren't after him, and for any like they actually went to our house. Right. The um, like um, um, what do we call it? Like one of the missions to introduce yourselves to the uh, ex-military uh, members okay. or something like that, because they already checked his background and he, they didn't see that he was very involved. Okay. Like the, the, those people that are very involved. Right. Uh, like he was in the regime, but he was not in ver- like involved with the executions or all these things. Okay. You know. So. Uh, so they went to our house and they, you know, they were there and they, uh, I remember, uh, I don't remember the major's name. He was a major. So he, my dad has very uh, big poster in our house. A very big, what do you call it? Poster, right? Just a poster. Yeah. Of him wearing the uh, military 
uh, uniform with the AK. Oh, no, what was it? The AK was like a shotgun or something. So, so the American was like, oh, my God, that was... That was awesome. So he saluted the, the picture, the poster, and he saluted him. And my dad was like, do you drink? Yeah, my dad loves vodka. We we do actually big, if my family, big fan of a white Russian. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Like I remember my dad, whenever he wakes up in the morning, he doesn't drink uh, coffee. <laughs> like a small <laughs> shot of vodka. And he should be, he, as he used to say, drink that and you'll be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, he brought the bottle of vodka to the American uh, military major and they just... The major was like, I can't, it's forbidden for me. I just, you know, I'm in the military, I can't do it. He's like, come on, man, just try it. Let's be friends. But he stopped, like, he kept calling him an infidel. In a, but in a funny <laughs> way. And the major was like, yeah, you're Haji. And he was like, yeah, you're infidel, you know. But, but they become friends. So, uh, but after that, unfortunately, you know, the, um, the secretarian party start showing up from out of, I don't know, from out of nowhere, I guess. I don't know. Um... You can, like the Islamic one, you know, most of them are the Islamic ones, and they start uh, sending death squads, as you call it, as I can call it, um, to kill and assassinate and execute the ex-members. Right. Even if they're like a regular officers. Yeah. Or anyone who was in the Ba'ath party back in the days. They didn't realize that almost 92%, 92 or 91 percent of the Iraqi people back in the days were in the Ba'ath Party. Everybody was in the Ba'ath Party for beneficial reasons, you right. know. So they uh, they send those uh, squad teams or whatever you call it, and uh, they start just assassinated, assassinating you know people all if they were old or if they were young or something. So my, I told my dad because. As I mentioned here, like when I start working, it, I didn't work just with the military itself. Now I work with the U.S. military intelligence right. for almost seven years. Uh, so I know things, you know. Uh, so I told my dad, I was like, Dad, you need to get the hell out of here. So in the beginning, he t uh, like um, he uh, he left to uh, Egypt. And that was beginning of 2005. And he is, he's there since then, still. And unfortunately, I haven't seen him since then. I'm it, trying to do that hopefully soon, just to go there to Egypt and visit him. It's been, what, 12 years since I saw him the last time? So it's it's a long time. Do you guys keep in touch now? Or? Oh, yeah. Actually, I was just talking to him an hour ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still sending him money and everything, you know, every month if I could, you know. So he's he's my father. And what I'm from, the way how we raised about family, family above all in life. Never take a side against your family, even if they're wrong or you're wrong. Never. Never That's... go against the family. Oh, no. Never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So where where is he in Egypt? Um, uh, I mean, in, in Arabic, we call it Al-Iskandariya. I think you guys call it Al Alexandria or okay, something. Yeah. Not Cairo. Cairo is the capital, but right. Alexandria, the other, okay. the other state or the other city, as, you, as we can call it. He's been li living there for uh, yeah twelve years, and I already I hired I hired uh, a lawyer recently right. just to get him over here. Okay, but I guess it's gonna take time because of his uh, <coughs> sorry because of his um, powerful positions back in the days. Right. So it's gonna take time the process, you okay. know, like the background check and everything. Right. So, but within that time, I'm I'm gonna try to go. 
you know, visit him in Egypt. Because, I mean, I got, thank God I got the citizenship, you know, like last year. But it's still, uh. Right? Man, Egypt is number one on my bucket list. Oh, you better Specifically go. Specifically, you the, need to go. The pyramids. Oh, my God. I mean, I have been fascinated with the pyramids <laughs> my it's entire beautiful. life. But, you know, it's pretty, I think even before um, Mubarak was removed there, it was pretty dicey. It is for, I'm, it, for for the uh, citizens. So um, I think it's probably gotten worse. But I know people that have gone over since then. So I think if you have enough money, and you can kind of have a little security team. Um, honestly, if I can say that, you you don't need to believe what the media right. is saying right now about Egypt, either before or now. Right. Actually, the people are very humble, and I'm not talking about it because I'm a Middle Eastern and uh, I can live there or I can just right. walk through the society over there. But for you as American, you can literally go there and just, you know, have fun. I've, you know, as my father is telling me, people from Europe, uh, from Australia, from Japan, you know, East uh, Asia countries, they still go there, visit the country, and nobody mess with them. You know, and uh, hopefully you never know. Huh? If I go there, I would just, you know, <laughs> come with me. Don't worry. Right? I won't <laughs> sell you to the to the black market out there. <laughs> That's a pretty expensive <laughs> trip, so you might have. I might have to allow you to steal one kidney. I'll take. Don't right? consider it done. Don't worry about it. I'm a fixer. Do you Come know? A, do you know a guy? Do you, do you have a kidney guy? I got my sources. In Cairo. Oh god, I got my sources. <laughs> nice. no, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. You never know. Yeah. Jeez, man. Old days. So tell me about how you ended up. What the, in the process military, was, uh, well, like, come, just moving over to the U.S., like, what, uh, what kind of drove that decision and kind of the logistics of that and kind of what your experiences were there? I, I honestly didn't even, I didn't even have a plan to come here in the, in the first place. I never thought about, you know what, man, I, I, I need to get the hell out of here, go to the States and live. I never thought about it. Because I was in love and, you know, I was like, no, I'm not going to leave my women and all these, <laughs> you know. I was like, you know, my f I will build my future here. I would help my people, you know, all these things. Right. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, like I, when I worked with the U.S. military intelligence from 2000, end of 2004 all the way until end of 2010. The beginning of 2010, uh, my... Um, my commander that I used to work for as a linguist, I was his linguist. Uh, I mean, I'm, I can't mention his name. But I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so he, one of his uh, officers, uh, I mean, he finds out about my situation. Right. Um, one of his officers actually told him, like, about my, uh, about what was going on and, I was under threat situation, actually. Like, my family used to re, uh, receive, uh, what do we call it, like, uh, threat letters inside an envelope with a bullet, oh, like wow. a gun, yeah, and it says your son is working with the traitors, he is a traitor, either you, uh, like, uh, uh, say, I mean, give him, you know, give him to us or something, or we will take one of your, you know, member, you know, your family or something, members or something. So at the time, I had to keep moving my family from a city to a city you through, uh, within those, uh, through the seven years. Until um, 2008, yeah, I had to fly my family uh, to Syria. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they lived oh, in Syria God. until for like two years, and then they went back to, to Baghdad for the process of the immigration because I applied for them to, to, get, to get them here. Okay. It took years, like right. two, three years, I think, four years to get him here. Um, so were, were they stuck in Syria whenever that conflict no, no, it was out? Or uh, the conflict to... happened, as I remember, back in 2000, either 11 or 12. Right. But they were they went back to Iraq. It was uh, in 2010 or 2009, as okay. I remember. So it was uh, Syria was, <laughs> was quite right. good, like quite you know nice and fine, and people were good, and it didn't have any problems. Right. I was just thinking that would be terrible to go from one. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> one conflict into to another. another. Oh, oh yeah, man. it's 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 gonna be a disaster. But um, so the commander finds out about my story, and I remember like literally he came to my trailer. I used to have my own trailer in the military base, you know. Um, <clears throat> so he knocked my door and I was like, Hey, sir, how you doing? He's like, I don't give a damn about what's going on with you. You need to get the hell out of here. I'll be your sponsor in the States. I'll take care of you. I'll find you a place. I'll find you a job. I will get you the green card in a couple of days, social oh, wow. security, everything. I will get the process so quick. So that's why my case was called special visa, something, uh, okay. SIV or something like that. So, um, I was like, Sir, did, everything is okay. You know, don't don't worry. I was like, no, shut up. I <laughs> you need to get the hell up. But I had a very funny moment with him in the beginning, the first day for me when I worked as a linguist. So you know, as a linguist, uh, local linguist from the country itself, um, they can't. They you know usually don't call you your name. They don't go like, hey, Marwan, come here or, or something. No, they, they pick uh, normal, normally like a, a nickname. So, so what's, your, uh, yeah. what's your secret I've, US I've, Army? I've, yeah, <laughs> I've got three, three nicknames, but most of, them, most of them was Martin. Martin. Okay. So, um, so yeah, uh, he was like, okay, hey, boy, come here. So we had a meeting, so I had to translate the meeting and everything. So we, we finished with the meeting, and he's like, okay, what's your name, boy? I was like, okay, sir, my name is Marwan Nihad, Abdul Jabbar, Abdullah Talal, Saad Muzaz Al Nuaimi. And he's like, oh, fuck that. Hell no. I don't, no, no. I'm going to call you Martin. So shut up. Don't tell me that bullshit again. I was like, oh, okay. Sorry. So since then, even on the, um, like the badge, right. work badge, military badge. It didn't even say uh, my full, my you know, my whole name that I just mentioned. And uh, it was just you know Martin Nihat. So he was like, okay, Martin, and you can just pick any any name as a last name because we can't just keep calling you like <laughs> what well, you know. I, it's, it's for them it was hard. So he's like, no, f that. Uh, I can't use that. No, just forget about that bullshit name, crappy name, whatever. I can't even say it. So I'm gonna call you Martin from now on. I was like, okay. Some other times they used to call me G, and uh, other times they used to call me Jamal. Pretty much the uh, Jamal, I've used it for my safety, uh, safety-wise. You know, right. when I go, when I used to go back to Baghdad, you know, seeing the family and everything. And um, actually, not not a Baghdad. I'm sorry. I remember like other cities. Right. You know, I didn't tell them about my my real name and everything. Okay. And I remember like the military have gave me. Uh, because the U.S. military had the prime uh, uh, law over there. They were the law in, in Iraq, especially for the first couple of years, by the way. 
if you, if you remember. Right. So they were able to get you IDs or, or, or whatever, like identification right. ID, card or whatever. So they have changed my name to uh, like Jamal, uh, Jamal Aldean or something. And I've used it for, for many years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, but I, I, Nam, I... Nam Diguerre, yeah. I think is the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah probably. that's the official uh, spy term. <laughs> yeah, I remember I used to like, we used to gain sources, uh, like uh, kids. Like we go to a, a very, like uh, you can call it a dangerous neighborhood. Right. Full of uh, insurgents, let's call them, you know. Okay. And we can't find them just easily. It's it's, it's impossible. You can just go there and find them. Like uh, you can't just be by the lo- by the way how they look. You go like, yeah, they are insurgents. You can't do that unless if they do something or you have information about them. You know, as evident. So we used to gain sources like the kids. We used to give them money, candies, and everything, and let them just tell us what's going on. Uh, that was one of the part part things I used to do. It was always a little. It was an experience. But unfortunately, I was called as a traitor to my people, a lot of them to my people, you know. And one of that was one of, um, if I could just uh, tell you a part of my story back in the days. Uh, uh, the linguistic job with the U.S. military, it was, it was good financial-wise. Right. Some of the people that I worked with, they didn't trust me because of, you know, Still, you know, it's it's hard to trust someone from the locals, which right. is I respect that. Yeah, that makes. And sense. the other some, yeah, no, they actually trusted me, and I had a gun on my own, you know, everything. I actually, I actually used to wear uh, ACUs uniform. It's a military uniform. It's called ACUs, by the way. Um. Uh, one of the, the I mean, that was the good thing about the financial wise, but um. The bad things that I had because of that job is the name of a traitor. Uh, a lot of my friends didn't uh, start treating me different. And because they were like, man, you, you start working with those, you know, infidels, uh, invaders and all that. They took right. our home, you know, all these things. And you, so my, my, um, my excuse was uh, money. And actually, I remember, uh, geez, I just remembered this. Um, in the first interview, for me to get the job, before you do, uh, I'm sorry, like after you pass the test, the English test. Right. They interview. Mm-hmm. So at the interview, the first thing they told me, they were like, okay, if you be honest, we will hire you. Literally, you will get hired. If you just be pure honest with us, I was like, okay. And they were like, okay, say, do you like the Americans? And I was like, fuck no, I hate, you, I hate, I hate you guts. <laughs> and they're like, okay, then why do you, why do you want to work with us? And I was like, I don't give a damn about you, but your money, I'm the money make, is good. I'm trying to make that paper. So oh yeah, trust me. <laughs> I got bills to pay. Oh yeah. So I was like, well, my my purpose was, I mean, I told him I was like, well, for the money, of course, with all due respect to you, but I hate your guts. I don't like you. Right. I wish you to be, you know, I wish you death. And but um, I would respect your job, and I would respect my job with you. But my my uh, primary uh, reason for me to work with you is the money to, uh, of course, feed my family, 
and uh, um, pay the bills of my college because I was at, on my last year in the college because I needed it to finish the, the education no matter what. And they respected it. And they're like, you know, man, you're hired. You're good. And you will change your mind. And I was like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> so for like two or three years, I was like, oh, fuck this. No, no. But I was just doing my job very good. But then... You know when you know when you get to you know get to know people certain people and you know they trust you or you you would you would start liking them right. you know, and it was it was life changing to me. I was very serious man. I didn't joke that much. I wasn't that open to be honest. I was just very serious. Like if I say something, I mean it, and that's it. I don't joke that much. I don't be sarcastic that much or silly or something. You know, so. Um, but I've I've changed, <laughs> yeah, I've changed I've changed a lot, which is good. That's it 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 um it helped me a lot. And um, if we if we go back to the uh, the the bad thing that affected me as a as a linguist, it was uh, my uh, <clears throat> my ex girlfriend's family. When I proposed to her, they rejected me. Because of my job with the U.S. military, they they were like, "You are a traitor. We can't give you our, you know, our daughter to someone who sold his soul to the devil and all this, you know, all these right. things." And 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 you're not welcomed here. We don't respect you. And uh, that was one of the things that affected me a lot, you know, because my plan was like, you know, marry the girl that you love and start a new life, you know, like the, all these things. And I remember, like, I cried like a kid, and my dad was like, my dad finds out, and he's like, come on, son, remember this. I actually will remember his quote the rest of my life. He he said, um, um, geez, what, yeah, every new day, there is another chance to change your life. You are a man, not a girl, so stop crying. You'll be fine. <laughs> I know. So, it, it, but, and I, I did good after that. I did good. You know, and uh, since then, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not that happy. I'm comfortable. I even rather be good than happy. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm just, I'm good. I'm always good, you know? So, um, the, uh, my commander finds out and he was like, I mean, I was shot twice. So uh, he what? finds out. Yeah. Wait, whoa, 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 let's rewind. You were yeah. shot twice. Yes. Uh, two different, uh, two different times. Not at the same time. The first time, um, when I got shot up 15 minutes later, I see, you know, like I saw blood on my right arm, which is this one, if you can see. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, the gunner, he was like, "Man, I, your right arm, it's full of blood." You know, and uh, as soon as I saw the blood, I was like, oh, my God, blood. And I passed out. You believe that? You, know? <laughs> you passed out? Yeah, oh, yeah, I passed out. And, uh, like, I don't know, a couple hours later, I saw myself in the hospital. And, and what, two weeks later, I got, we got hit by a, a car bomb. It was not the, it was the first, uh, we were, like, on a, a convoy, convoy, convoy yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. And we were, like, six vehicles, convies, we call them. So the one who got hit, the first one, right. we were we were the second truck. So I think the the impact or whatever hits the second truck, and I was in I was in it, and I got hit as well. And I don't know if you can see yeah, the can stitches see here on my, you know, broken tooth and stitches here as well. So um, um, that was one of the 
I know if it's horrible time or moments, but it was funny at, at the same time because one of my friends was like, Jesus, man, you didn't die again. What, what's wrong with you? Just <laughs> your was, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I was like almost to cry, to be honest. And he was like, you know what, man, here's a cigarette. Smoke some cigarette. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, again, the, the uh, commander finds out and he's like, you need to get the hell out. Because, uh, I mean, I lost my cousin because of my job. I lost my uh, best friend. Um, uh, I lost my girl as well. But it's, it's, it's a, it's, that's a, a different, different story. Um, but he finds out, and uh, and he's like, "I will work on your uh, paper. You don't need to do anything." I'm like, okay, but I, I really didn't th- like didn't plan to to come to the states. That was, is that yeah, um, two thousand beginning of two thousand uh, ten, and it took what seven months, yeah, between six and seven months to get to get here, so. It was always an experience, you know. I want to. I want to back up a little bit. I want to hear about getting shot. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you don't. You don't feel it actually, especially on the the one with the. Um, um can you see this? Oh yeah, that's yeah. like a, that's kind of like a shotgun. Yeah, no, it was actually. Uh, I I think it was like an AK for no not yeah I think an AK forty seven or what was I still have the picture though. Um, but what about this one in your? This one, elbow? it wasn't. It like, wasn't. It didn't. It didn't go. Uh, didn't go through. Right? Yeah, it was that. just. Uh, what do you call it? Like uh, oh, okay. scratching or gotcha. something. So yeah. Like a, a so technically, I didn't get <laughs> shot twice. I guess. Whatever, it's, whatever, dude. You and I think it's safe yeah. to say that you've been shot multiple times. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. Yes. Oh we yeah. We can call that. That'll be. That's a. A flesh wound is what that's sometimes referred to. You, as, oh yeah, um, a lot of my. Oh yeah, they <laughs> they still. But still, hey man, if you're getting shot, I don't care what. Like if it's a BB. Oh god. <laughs> in I anger. That I mean, that's a totally. That's a vastly different experience. Than oh yeah, it, it's it's it may I actually did the especially the the second one. Um, I didn't feel it for almost ten minutes. Not ten minutes, like almost ten minutes. Let's say five minutes. And then my other, the uh, the right side of my chest, uh, start feeling numb. Oh wow! Like not, yeah, and cold. And uh, I felt like a little, uh, kind of like paralyzed, a little bit. Like I barely move, and I was like, "What's going on?" And then the pain start. Yeah. Kind of sounds and, like your and, body's going into shock. Oh yeah! Things. Oh yeah! Uh, and start um, um, sweating. Right. And feel very yeah, that nauseous, kind of I guess. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, and, yeah and all that. Exactly. I was like, "What? What? What's going on?" I just did drink water. I'm not dehydrated, or what's going on? And so stop, you know. And here's, I'll tell you this: if I would have, if I was wearing my vest, if I would have just followed the military rules, I will be, fi- I would be fine. I would end up fine. But I'm the guy who, pretty much, you can call him. A, a man who loves to break rules. <laughs> I love shortcut in my life. Okay. Like even to, to get things done, I always use some ways to get things done so quickly. And I don't care about the consequences. That's one of, <laughs> I guess, one of my things in life. So the, 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 the reason why I got shot in this spot, if um, I was wearing the cover of the, the vest. Okay. You know, it's... it's um, 
it's not a shirt. It's just a, a plastic uh, cover. You can just you know wrap it on your on your chest, and then you put the piece of uh, metal in it, and it should be you should be good. Right. So, but I didn't I didn't put the the pieces of the metal that the, the protect the your chest, the one that should protect your chest. So I just left them in my in my room, and the reason for that one because I like to be light, you know, just like to. I don't like carrying things. It's gonna make me heavier. Right. Of course. Like the rest of the soldiers or the commander himself, with his vest and the gun and the helmet and everything. I used to cheat a lot with that stuff. So I guess, um, as the medic says, like because of that, you 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 were very easy to to target. Some people says it was a sniper. Other people says it was a, a random shooting. Because let, let let's face it. Let me tell you this: if someone comes to you and tell, if someone tell you like. I was shooting at people and they were shooting at me. It's kind of hard to believe that. I've been there. You know, like you stand and shooting people and they're shooting at you, you know, shooting back at you. It's, 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 it's a little, it's probably, you can say, most of it happened in the movies. In reality, it's totally a different thing. Like you just stand right behind a wall and you come up out of the wall and you just shoot for seconds and then you go back to the wall to cover yourself. Right. That, was, that was the case. That was the best thing to do. But other than that, it was all about a matter of random shooting. You're just dismounting, which means like we used to walk. We'll leave our, our military vehicles in some, uh, we call it safe houses. We leave them there and then we just walk for miles. Four, five, six, ten. One time we walked for almost 17, 17 18 miles. Just to pick up some snipers from there we, that we put the other, like, two weeks later, uh, two weeks before. Okay. You know? So, like, U.S. personnel. Yes, U.S. personnel. I'm sorry. Yes. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 the shot that was uh, because of, after they find out and figure it out, it was a matter of uh, random shooting. Like, I wasn't, like, a, a prime, primary target or something, you know? That was one of the experiences. So, so did you work primarily in Baghdad or all the places? All all city Baghdad, Taji, um Kirkuk, Fallujah, um Mosul for ISIS land right now, that's what they call it. I've worked there for almost a month. And man, I'll tell you this. Every single one of them in Mosul, back in those days, they hate everyone. <laughs> They like it's not just Americans. They right. like they hate everyone, even the the other Muslims from Baghdad or from other cities. They just hate everyone. They f- believe that they are the right ones in on Earth or something on this planet or whatever. You know, they're just very strict people and very complicated to deal with, actually. So, um, what I uh. Uh, the, the, um, one of the, the, the hard things actually that I faced is uh, seeing kids blowing themselves up, match. You know, especially in Mosul city. Uh, those days, I just sometimes it's just freak me out. Sometimes, you know. I don't know how can how they could how they could do that to I even seen people trying to sacrifice their kids you know like sending they, they put bombs around their kids that are kids you know their belly or whatever and just send them to 
to our convoy or something like that and we we like we we had to shoot you know it because you will have a moment it's like a a moment of an act like you have to act like you have right. to do something to to protect yourself and protect your your colleagues or your comrades or you know and but then you at the same time you see a kid running torjury what what are you going to do and you can tell that he is wearing what do we call like a bomb belt as i remember like yeah suicide ID. bomber oh, oh yeah. no id it's a to- uh, yeah but um, I, know, I guess that's so uh yeah we we had to shoot him and it's not just him we we shoot many of them so what did what did that feel like because i mean these are your i mean some of them are obviously your countrymen like what does that put your head what's your headspace like thinking about that like um it it it, it hurt it, it makes me cry uh but uh i mean thankfully it was it was a matter of a past right now it's just from my past i don't think right. about it right now but it's it's uh, at the time it was it took me years it took me years to to walk through that that experience you know especially like the nightmares and everything you know and especially about kids because you can't imagine like uh, killing a kid. I mean, it's, it's whatever he's doing, he's trying to do it right. to you. But it's but what they what we find out after we let's say detain those people who send those kids to you know to to attack us or something. And we actually let me tell you this: like we, I remember we detained a couple of those kids themselves. Um, before they like detonate themselves or whatever. I mean, but I wasn't there at the moment. Like I just, they just sent me to the in, investigate, uh, in, in, interrogating room. Okay. To translate and everything. But I don't know how they captured the kid, to be honest. So they find out that the kid was not uh, brainwashed. He was, um, what do you say, like high? Like they, they may have, have him either take a pill or something or have him smoke something to make him very high. And I remember like the sentence that they used to tell him, like the ISIS leaders or whatever, or insurgents, that the one who used to tell the kids to do such a things. They used to tell the kid, uh, okay, like after he gets high or gets a little, you know, loose, um, uh, okay, you, you see those uh, people, bad people? Like when he point at us, the, the, the elderly men. Before they send the kid. So they tell the kid, okay, you see those people? Go there. And by the way, they they don't send any kid. They only send the kids that they have some horrible stories happened by the U.S. military. Let's say, for example, how, let me tell you this, how to, how to create a terrorist? Just murder his child. And you will see a terrorist. He will terrorize the people who murder his child. So that sentence, that's ideology or that's agenda been used to brainwash those kids. Because, you know, the American uh, airstrikes used to, you know, like bombing, you know, spots in the cities or whatever. And some of those kids have lost their families or lost their brother or their father. So those insurgents used to tell those kids, okay, do you want to go see your father? You want to go see your mother? Here's they, you know, they put the bomb around his, uh, sort of his belly, and they go like, okay, it's it's easy, just go to those people, okay, run as much as you can, and when you reach them, 
you'll see your father or you'll see your mother or your brother or something. And the kid goes like, oh, okay, I'm just, and he runs to us. So either he's going to end up being shot at, you know, by us or blowing himself up at us. So, it's, you know, it's, so it's, it's very, those things that I've, I've, like I've experienced with those kids. Right. And I mean, that's my thing is about particularly the war on terror and whatnot as we you know, so-called war on terror is that like that's what we're doing is we're killing innocent civilians and of course you're going to engender this kind of backlash because i'm oh, thinking yeah. if it's me and you know somebody comes and drops a bomb on my house and kills my parents i'm probably probably not gonna feel too great about <laughs> hey, i know oh you know yeah I mean? you're probably oh, yeah. not gonna do a, have to do a whole lot of convincing <laughs> no to make me angry at those people oh, and want some not. revenge so mm-hmm it's just one of the things that we, I have faced, to be to be honest. And I, I don't miss, I don't miss those days. No, no, oh no. Anyway, but I still miss the hookah though, <laughs> the hookah days with my friends. Right. Like our, actually our way of parties back in the days, it's not just go to a club or a bar, listen to some uh, uh, musical band or like we what, like we do here, right? Every weekend or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't do that. The way of our parties is go to a specific place. You sit there, and they provide you with like a alcohol and um, uh, belly dancers and some women, and that should be it. So you'll you will end up getting laid. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> May I say that? So yeah. It's one of the things, good things that I miss. It was very simple. So let's let's go back to your commander is helping you with the green card process. Oh yeah, and um, visas and getting you all set up to come to the U.S. Heck, yeah. Um, so after he told me that I'm gonna help you out, I'm gonna work on your on your immigration process. He was in my trailer. That was in the beginning of 2010. I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, cool, thank you, sir. I didn't care. Um, all he w- all he asked about my uh, Iraqi uh, passport and my IDs, and he gave me like an application to fill in, like you know my full name, where do I live, you know what's my my father been doing or his job or my mom and all these you know like family informations. So I did that. I passed him the uh, the application. Five months later, yeah, five six months later. Uh, I mean, you know, we see each other almost every day because we work with each other, but he didn't tell me. Five months later, he was like, okay, you need to go to the embassy in the green zone. You have an interview there. And I was like, uh, for what? And he's like, for the immigration, you dumbass. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I went to the Amer- American embassy in green zone, located at the green zone in Baghdad city. And I did the interview. They, um, he told me to give them the passport, the Iraqi passport. To, to like to prove it or something I don't know what was it the, the thing oh to to stab the uh, visa give me the visa so I gave them the passport two weeks later they mail it to my trailer to to the military uh, base but I didn't get it he got it so he then he came and he was like okay man I'm by the way he was about to leave the country because right. you know like deployment you know it takes like a year or two sometimes two years or a year and a half but his job was like on and off. Like he comes on the 2004. He had like four deployments. 
so three years I remember like 2004 then he came back again 2006 and he came back again in 2009 or something like that but anyway so at the end of um, it was what not uh, November December that's what I got it was on December he's like okay uh, Martin uh, so you're going to the States uh, and he like he was like looking at his watch and seeing what day, and he was like, "Okay, you you going to the states on the on the ninth of of January two thousand eleven? It was two thousand the end of two thousand ten, and he's like, you you're going to to the states uh, January eleventh two thousand eleven." I was like, "What? How? What am I going?" He was like, "I don't care. You're going, and I'm I'm leaving next week." Back to the states. He like he was like, I'm leaving to the states, so I'll I'll meet you next month there. Out there, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like how? I didn't tell my family, every, anyone. Like I was like I was shocked, and I was like, geez, what am I gonna do? It was a life uh, form change. Like it was it was like a, a life changing. Okay, I didn't know what to do. It was a matter of a, a permanent decision. Like you have to make a decision. You know. Like either you go or you don't, because it was like a one life opportunity to change your life, or if you if you feel comfortable about it or not, you know. So he he just um, he dropped the uh, he left my passport on my table in my trailer, and the form of what was it? I think like called I ninety four form or something. That one that it says uh, Marwan, you know the full name, and it says got approved got the visa like as a, as a as an evidence or as a proof for you to 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 get to the states officially yeah. and my case was a special because i work with the u.s military intelligence so i had my my what do you call it uh privileges i guess so um went back to my to my house to my family after they came back from syria of course so i was like okay mom brothers that's what's going on and i really don't know what to do and my mom was like, you know, my mom started crying and everything. And my, my, my brother was like, come on, man, you're going to get a lot of girls over there, you know, <laughs> Americans, you know, all these things. And I was like, huh, girls? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to go then. <laughs> you were sold. Yeah. At that moment. Because he was like, remember, come on, it's hard to find a girl here. But over there, it's all, you know, you can you can do something about it. Your accent is going to be different. You're different. <laughs> you, know, they, they, you know, all these things. I was like, oh, cool, cool. But... We didn't think about the future. All we thought it was about, okay, girls and these, you know, you know, with all these things. And I was like, okay, then I'll, I'll just go. So I, I, I sold almost like 80% of my stuff, you know, like my car. I mean, I still have my apartment. I didn't sell my apartment, but like my furniture and everything. I had apartment over there. So, um, so I got... Of, what kind of car were you rolling? I had a Toyota uh, Corolla. Corolla. Corolla, 2008. Nice. Oh, yeah. Ha- <laughs> it was... It was th- over there, it's like a, a cool were, car. You, you were balling then. Oh, yeah. I was... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I used to, like, listen to all the Haji music and all these things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of the moments, uh, my friends, Iraqi friends, they were in my car. We were driving, you know, getting drunk and all that. So you were drinking and driving? Oh yeah, and uh, no, yeah. And that's that's what I miss. <laughs> the police don't won't mess with you unless if you you know do an accident, you know, have an accident. But right. uh, so I was driving and I had like my my other three friends in my car, and um, 
Bombs Over Baghdad song came along on the radio. They don't speak English, and they're like, what's those infidels talking about, you know? Uh, we're just hearing bombs, bombs, ba- what is, what's bombs? And I was like, no, 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 bombs mean love, so it means we love Baghdad. And they're like, oh, cool, so everybody started dancing, but they didn't know what, what it means. <laughs> Always one of the funny things. But, um, so I came to the States uh, 2000, what was it, 2011, January 2011, uh, I got my my green card. I got my I'm sorry. I got my uh, my social security uh in the airport. As soon as I got here. Where did you land? Um San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. Um they got me to a, a motel for like 2 months. It was uh what was it? 6 Motel 6 or something? Is that what it called? Yeah, 6. Was, yeah, it was yeah. Mot- like the, the sign right. is like 6 and everything. Yeah. Um and I remember the caseworker of the immigration agency, like he's my, let's say he would take me to the Walmart, get, you know, teach me how to do things, whatever. So he was there with me for like only two weeks and then everything was on me. Um, about 20 days, precisely 20 days, I got my green card and uh, I just met a random guy at a... It was at a Sherlock bar. They oh, had Sherlock. a like Sh- Sherlock. I'm sorry. There's like another location here, by the way. Um, so we start talking, and I was like, I was like, man, um, I don't have an ID, I don't have a driver license, I don't have anything, but I need a I need a car. I was like, done, man. I'll, I'll take care of you. So I <laughs> bought my first car was Camry Toyota, Toyota Camry, uh, 2000, 2000 or 1999. Um, all I had was, I think like $4,000 in my pocket. So I paid 1900 for it. And after that, you know, the, uh, the motel time was, was like running out, you know, they can't just keep paying for you like the government or, right. or the agency. Um, so after that, I literally ended up living in my car for almost four months. That was in San Antonio. Um, couldn't find a job, and I so I kept just spending my money, my savings in my pocket, cash. So you can say for what three, four months? Yeah, let's say three months. I I drive. I didn't. Nobody t- you know taught me how to drive here because oh you know the God. roads here it's totally different. You know, so it was all all on me, I guess. Yeah. So um, and you probably didn't have car insurance either, right? No nothing, car insurance. Nothing, no license. No, no license. <laughs> driver license. No, um, even the car itself didn't have the, uh, right, I guess, the like the plate number, the, like oh, nothing, like just like nothing. And imagine like a Middle Eastern driving, the, <laughs> you know, unknown car or unknown identifying car and oh, got caught by a police. It would be a story. Right? Trust me. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my God. You're so lucky. I, you I know. I was about to say that. So I guess I was I was lucky enough to, to, you know, do all that. But here's the funny part. So as soon as I got my driver license... Okay, and I uh, got the insurance for my car. Uh, it was all on the same day. I got my driver license. It was you know piece of paper, and you would you know like receive the the regular right. card like two weeks later. So I got the paper. I went to the insurance office, got the insurance. I was so happy. Oh my god, I'm finally official. You know, driver, whatever. 
Thirty minutes later, I got uh, pulled over by a police, <laughs> and an hour later after that, I got in, into an accident. Oh so it God. was one of the. T- <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> so that was one of the weird moments that I had in my those days. You know, one of the days in life. Ironically, you were probably under more danger driving around in San Antonio <laughs> without a license or any oh my of that God. stuff than you were in Baghdad. You oh, know, yeah. some crazy like. Oh my Texan. God, I was about to say that. Oh yeah, you're right. You so. I, right. I caught the. Ter- we caught him. We've got ISIS <laughs> right here. I've got him. He's driving a Toyota Camry. Finally, after no year, insurance, yeah. no insurance, no plates, <laughs> nothing. He's. <laughs> oh my God! He's gonna, gonna destroy a- the Alamo. Oh my God! It's gonna be a story. Right. Jeez. Oh yeah. And it was um so I I uh I start looking for jobs. Uh I didn't know about like, you know, apply online, you know, applications online cuz every I start knocking doors at, right. at downtown. Downtown San Antonio. Yeah, I hate San Antonio. <laughs> like it's like like a shithole if may I say this. Um uh I couldn't find any job. So but then Randomly, I knocked uh, a stripper <laughs> club door. Right. So uh, the bouncer was like, "Oh man, we we need a bouncer." That that was in the beginning. I was like, "What? A, what's a bouncer?" I don't. Know. I was like, "Yeah, whatever. What is it?" He's like, "A bouncer." So he went inside. He brought me like a piece of paper just to fill in. So I filled it and everything, my name and all those things. I was like, "You know, my my boss wants to." Wants to see you, you know, like an interview. Right. I was very happy. Oh my God, I'm going to get a job. I don't know what the hell is this job is going to be, but I'm going to get a job. You know? I'm going to be bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I went to, great. <laughs> so I went to his, to his office and, and, and I thought he was gay. I was so pissed. He was like, okay, take your shit off. I was like, excuse me? What, the, what do you want from me? I was like, no, but you're going to be a stripper. I was like, uh, I thought I'm going to be a bouncer. He was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all the same. Whatever. <laughs> it's all the okay, same. I'm just, we need someone. And I, I, uh, you're, you have an, a different accent, so you'll be funny at the stage. And I was like, huh? But I don't know how to do all the movies. He was like, just <laughs> shut up. Just stand on the stage. Trust me. I, the like, girls will take care of the rest as long as you start speaking. Just, just say something. <laughs> I was like, I, okay. I love how your first thought is, I don't know the moves. To oh, yeah. <laughs> and I had to tell him, he was like, I don't care. I, I don't know the moves. What am I going to do? <laughs> It was uh, it was actually my uh, my first job in this country, and I've done it for uh, almost twenty twenty three twenty four days, and I was I was kicked out because they um it was like some uh, girls wanted me to do some 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 particular uh, uh, like a position. It was like uh they put they were like four girls and in like a we call it offline room in the club, which is I guess like. The client, the girls can do whatever to you. Right. Someone like that. Yeah. So they put like a, a black mask, like a half black mask on my face. So I can't see anything because the girls, it's it's her birthday or something. So her friends brought her in. They were like four girls in, in, in the room and they put me on a black uh, table with my, uh, with my underwear only. And I start feeling stuff like in my elbow and my face and they i don't know all kind of weird shit i was like <laughs> i was like hell no i'm a middle eastern man i'm gonna lose my honor here <laughs> no, i don't know i'm not ready to do that so i refused i rejected it and they were pissed and 
the manager always pissed and is like, you know, it would be the last chance for you. I'm going to fire you. And I was like, no, no, you don't worry. I'm, I'm just going to leave the place. Because my purpose was to save some, like save enough money to at least find a place to, right. to stay, to live at. So in about 23 days, I I managed to save about what, almost $5,000 cash. So it was a good... That's not bad. Your moves must have been pretty good. Oh my, um, I was suck moves, at it. But I don't know. Quick, right? <laughs> Trust me, I was... So sack at it, suck at it. Um, but I don't know. They, I guess they, they liked. Me. I mean, most girls, actually, ninety nine percent of them were drunk, so they just didn't care, I guess. But they, they just, they were one um, interested about my accent, I guess. That's all, you know. That that was, I guess, that was the case. But yeah, I, I got that money and um, found a place, lived there for only. Two months. Um, thankfully, like the the leasing office people, they were very flexible with me. They were like, "You can just pay uh, uh like month by month. You don't need to get a lease or something." Right. That's crazy. Yeah, it was one of the odd or random like weird things happen. You know. I mean, I told them about my story and everything, but they they were very. But I'm telling this. I guess it's be- the complex apartment complex was one of the shittiest places in San Antonio. Like the the <laughs> ghetto neighborhood. I guess it was very messed up place. Anyway. But I didn't care, to be honest, uh, because where I'm from, it was totally different. Uh, to me, it was like, oh, my God, it's cool. All green grass, oh, room or electricity, 24 hours, internet. You know, I didn't care. But and after that, I moved to to Austin, um, September uh, 2011. So uh, my first job was uh, a bodyguard uh, doing events like uh, musical bands, I guess, or something. It was a good money. I've done it for almost a, almost a year. And then went back to San Antonio for a seasonal job. But I, I, I kept uh, living in, this, uh, in Austin. I remained living in, in Austin, but my job was in San Antonio. I've done it for four months. It was uh, a linguist and a culture advisor. Oh, cool. Uh, in the DLI, Defense Language Institutes. It's at the... Uh, it's a military, inside a military play, uh, base over there. What do you pretty much do? Um, uh, like they, they uh, let's say you're getting deployed to Iraq as a soldier. Right. So what do they do? They put you in my class as a culture advisor and, uh, and translate languages. But um, the point is like they, they put you in my class to teach you about the Iraqi people, culture, or the traditions and the language, but by saying the language, not to speak, not to teach you how to speak it fluently, just to know the basics. For right. example, you know, my name is Cooper. I'm from the United States. I'm here to, you know, do all the, you know, you can just save them. You don't need to understand the language. You, you see what I'm saying? Just the basics. So yeah, I've done that for like four months and came back here. And most of the time, all I do just uh, security uh, business. I like it. I mean, it's, it's fun. Good money. Uh, for a year and a half between 2014 till all the way till 2000, beginning of 2016, I moved to uh, Fort Worth. I uh, ended up working at the oil fields. So, but I was laid off and then I came back here. And right now you can call me a fixer. <laughs> I, f- I fix problems. That's, that's my, I guess that's my job. Not just providing people with bodyguards or right. So, so we 
we cannot finish this podcast without talking about your moment of heroism heroism here in Austin. Oh, uh, that was one. <laughs> I um, uh, what was it? Two thousand. 2012 or 2013, one of those years, I, I used to work at a, a security company called Associate Security Association something. Um, uh, so I used to do security at HEB. It's pretty much, you know, like Walmart. Right. So I used to like either walk around or using the scooter or whatever they call like the small uh, motor, not a motorcycle, but it's just like a three three-wheel something, let's call it a scooter, okay, and drive around the, the parking lot or and go check people inside of seeing if anyone tried to do, you know, theft or, you know, stealing something. So while I was doing my patrol, it was summertime. Um, I found, it was, I don't remember what was the car, <clears throat> but it was an old car. So I found uh, an infant in, in, in the car. A child, I think it was uh, like in the age you can say like almost a year of an age of his age. So I just like randomly checked, start checking the windows, the four windows of the car, and it was all locked. It was all the doors was locked, and it was hot as hell. So imagine inside. I don't know how how hot it is. So I saw the child was barely breathing, and I don't want to say that I did I didn't know what to do, but I was like it was a matter of an act, so I just start punching the the window so i almost punched it three times i mean I, when i punched it the first time before i punching the, punching it the first time i thought it's like in the movies i guess you know like <laughs> yeah. when you punch it the first time it will break it's supposed to break but i want to punch it oh my god and i was like holy mother of you know my fists start hurting me i was right. like what the heck am i gonna do but then i tried it second time didn't work the third time thank god i, I broke it then then i just saw people coming in from out of nowhere and then uh, police came, a firefighter came, and the uh, ambulance showed up. So I opened the door and I carried the uh, the child, and I start um, trying to uh, have him, like you can say, what wake up, I guess, or something. Uh, so I just start pushing on his chest, and he start breathing again. And it took me like almost five seconds of a thing to do. I'm often, yeah, to do so. And I mean, everybody was crying, I guess, like especially the girls, the women. And then his mother came and we find out that his the, the problem, it was not the first time. Uh, the, the first time she left her dog and now she, she left her child and it's because of her. She used uh, uh, drugs. So she most of the time she's very like high, I guess, or not in her normal times, I guess. But um and uh, because of that uh, incident, they, uh, I don't know, what was the channel? TV channel. XN something. They came to the HGB. They, they interviewing me and they, you know, asked me questions about what happened. And then they sent me uh, the mayor of uh, Austin. I'm sort of like the chief of police of okay. Austin. Uh, I don't remember what's his name. I think Art. Maybe Art Acevedo at the time. I guess he was he was uh, Hispanic. Yeah, uh, yeah that's some. That's um, true. so he like he uh, he he came to the HGB and he met with me and he's like, uh, uh, my team and me we want to like uh, congratulate you and make a special like event 
for this. And uh, um, their magazine, like the, uh, they, they put me on the first page, I guess. As they said, I've never seen the magazine, to be honest. You're supposed uh, to have this. See, I know. It's very, the American tradition is you put this on your refrigerator. You cut out. You cut oh, really? Out, I sh- right? Jeez, you I should have. find one. Oh, God, I, I should have. <laughs> have to, you have to look for it, man. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> um, so they took me to, like, they start uh, sending me uh, to uh, uh, primary schools, high schools, to show them, like, the, uh, what do we call it? Like, the um, uh, hero of the month or something, you know, someone who saved a life. Right. And one of the things that they wanted to do is actually waiting for the child to uh, reach like five years of his age or 10 years or something and have him uh, meet me and tell him like, okay, you see, like five years ago, this guy, you know, <laughs> saved him, oh my God. So they kept my email, my phone number, my all informations and everything. Yeah. And like, if that would happen, we need, you know, if you, would you like to come? I was like, yeah, man, well, why not? So it was, it was a good year for me actually, you know? <laughs> So yeah, they they kept even at, at the HEB. Everybody started, you know. They said that they checked me out on um, on YouTube, I guess. And by the way, all this time I didn't know I was on YouTube. Even uh, a lot of my friends start seeing me on Facebook, I guess, or something. But I, I wasn't tagged. And then they start tagging me. I was like, who the hell is that? And I start checking. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, that's me. And it's just, it was always a great experience, man. Oh yeah. And one of the good things, actually, the HEB corporation themselves they um they gave me 300 dollars card and actually then they sent me to the marriott uh, oh, nice. uh hotel right for like two nights everything for free <laughs> and i was like hell yeah man oh, i'm man. just gonna <laughs> drink as much as i can and everything was for free that was awesome order some room service show oh, up. did you show off your moves oh yeah oh yeah floor? trust me i brought some girl with <laughs> <laughs> I, she was there with me trust me i oh yeah it was always one of the nights in life it was good so that that was an experience. That's awesome. Uh, oh so yeah. I you you probably don't even know this, but so I kind of like, well, not I mean jokingly, but you know, with with an air of respect as well, I refer to you as the hero. Uh, when I'm ta- when we're talking, when I told Justin that you were coming to do the podcast, oh my god, I was that's like, w- hey, I've I've got I've booked the hero. He's coming. <laughs> He's gonna be here. What a privilege! Thanks, and man. Look, Thank and you. Even like so, uh, obviously that's that's awesome, but in terms of the other stories that you've told me today that I didn't even know about. So now your hero status, you're like, you are a legit, like you've been <laughs> shot, you've got shrapnel. Oh my God, yeah. Stripping, moves. <laughs> All kind I of mean. stuff, I guess. Thank you. Thanks, man. It, it, it means a lot to me. It's just, it's just it's a, it's a story of my life so far, you know? Right. And um, I'm... I, uh, I'm glad I've done all that. Either of whatever I've done, either if it was a bad or, or good, right? I, I'll never regret it. I'll just learn from it. That, that's that's all. Because to me, life is about learning and courage and going to the unknown. That's that's one of my things that I follow in life. Proudly, so um, I'm, I'm good. I'm always good. That's awesome, man. Oh yeah, You've got a, that's such an awesome story. Thanks. I love Thank your you. uh, I love your positive attitude. And just like appreciate it, <laughs> okay, man. It, you you one of my great friends. You know that. You 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 know that. Oh, actually, you better know that. <laughs> so, man, you're gonna have to show me some of these moves, like 
teach teach me the ways and oh yeah when is your birthday <laughs> it's coming up man oh, really? it's coming up in november consider done i'll take care of you <laughs> we're like uh we're about six months yeah we're about six months away honestly oh, maybe yeah. to the day honestly i think it might, it's on november 6th so okay we're close we're close i'm glad that you're going to be around because i could kind of heard you were thinking about going going back it was yeah um uh, about that in um like a couple months ago when when uh trump got you know got elected and um, it's not about I, I mean i don't like the guy but i respect him like one of my principle in life is like if i don't like someone it's it doesn't mean that i hate him right especially especially if it's if it is like a person a powerful person a very respectful man he does his whatever you know i respect that but anyway um because of his executive order you know lately he picked, uh, he put Iraq, my country, one of the seven countries that were like banned from coming, like the people coming in here or leaving, leaving the States. One of the things that affected me, even as a U.S. Um, yeah, because you're already uh, a citizen. Yeah, even, a, yeah, a um, U.S. citizen was born in Iraq. Uh, you, you, ca- you can leave. It's, 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 it's easy to leave. It's okay. But you cannot come back in 90 days. That was like a couple of months ago, the executive order. After he took out the, uh, uh, t- he took the Iraq out of the seven countries, you know, the banned seven countries. Um, he was like, okay, and it's the, yeah, 90 days, it's going to be uh, 30 days. But to me, it's still like, uh, like, then what's the point of being, uh, like having the U.S. citizenship, you know? It's right, just yeah. like, I would, I would, like, I thought like I would be treated, you know, like uh, I don't, I don't want to say like equal or somebody, you know, like treated with like as a U.S. When I say I'm a U.S. citizen or something, it would, you know, give me something, you know, make me feel, right. you know, it took me years, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, um, because what it pissed me off is I have lost a lot of things because of my job with the U.S. military intelligence. I lost my woman, I lost my, my best friend, I lost my home, my people, my friends. Um, and uh, then that's what I got in return, you know? It's, 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 it's hard to accept that. But it's, I guess it's the way of life right now, and I, I got accepted, but it's just... But I will keep that grudge and, and, and to be <laughs> honest, like an angry energy with myself, within myself, and that, right. that's, that's it. As an adult, you know, I can't do anything about it, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the things, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm good with it, I guess. And b- because of that, I, uh, came to conclusion that, um, uh, I would like just leave, leave the States and wait for my family to get the citizenship and then have them come back. I live up North of Iraq because right now up North, up North of Iraq, it's, uh, uh it's a state right now it's not just the city uh, called Kurdistan I don't know if you heard of it it's very safe modern western style you know you can even like as an American you can go there actually I've seen myself like an Americans have business there they live there with their families and nobody mess with them everything is good beautiful uh, so my plan was like you know what man uh, I can't live here anymore because I was it was a matter of uh, like an angry uh, you know because I was thinking about my family is one of the, the, the parts of the executive order, like if someone, even if, if someone haven't have the green card, we might send them back, Right. you know? And at the time, like a couple months ago, my, my, 
My mom didn't have a green card. My sister, my two sisters-in-law, my little brother. So I was very worried, you know. And uh, even my lawyer, when I told him, when, when I told her, she was like, I can't do anything about it right now. So it really, I was like, you know what, man? I got my lawyer. She'll take care. But then she told me the same thing. I can't do anything. I can't promise you anything. We don't know what's going on. So, so I was worried. And so my plan was like, you know what, man? I'll just go back and start a new life there. You know, I saved up enough money here. So I'll just wire it to my country and start the life. But then when my family got their green cards and everything, and then the executive order just got loose a little, you know, got right. better a little. So I was like, you know what? No, I've changed my plan is uh, it's going to be just going back uh, to Baghdad and uh, sell my uh, my apartment because I still have my own apartment over there. And it's worth a, a good amount of money and bring the money back here and uh, open up a business. I would like to have, you know be my own boss, you know. What do you think? What do you think about starting up? What do you think? Hookah bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna bring the Billy Dancers, and it's gonna be epic. Trust Man, me. Man, I you better be careful because I just saw an article on Facebook this morning. Oh yeah. <laughs> it says hookah. It says hookah is bad for you. Oh my but god. That's probably fake news, anyways, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And here's the thing. I'm gonna call it Habibi. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Nicely done. Oh yeah. But it, wait, are you are you dead serious about a hookah bar? Oh yeah, that's one of the uh, the, the the main things nice. I would I would want to do. I thought maybe you'd go into security or maybe a dance it's, a uh, dance studio. Oh my, uh, <laughs> the the security it's um to me it will remain to be honest as a part time thing. You know, I'm gonna be on call. Right, but it's, you're not you're not looking to start your own. Um, security? I could. I actually got the license to do it, but it's 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 uh it's a responsible. It's too much responsible. Too much headache. And I'm I'm I've reached a level of my life and even an age. I'm I'm tired of of those things. You know, I'm, I'm I just wanna uh, like live in a quiet environment. I guess like peace. Right. And just, just do my 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 things that I like. I can handle. It's not about I can't handle the security, but I just I don't want to have that much of drama anymore. You know. But yeah, smoking. Smoking shisha. Or I love like it. I don't care. It's good for your health, by the way. A lot of my people still believe in that stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna do it. It's 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 a matter of a time. It's it. You're invited. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely I'll come take check care it of out. You. I'll take care of you. Well, man, I think we uh, think we've covered a good amount today. Okay, definitely. Man, I'm, would, I'm honored. You were you were amazing. I'd love to have you on again. Thank you. In the future. Um, anytime. Anytime. This was awesome. So you are like this is all, you're the first guest ever, man. This oh, is, that's a privilege. I'm cool. I, I feel myself lucky. I'm, so, I'm I've been lucky this day all, all day. It's cool. So the the title of this podcast is gonna throw you for a loop because it's the 21st century okay. schizo schizoid podcast. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I thought it works. You know. Yeah, we can but, live uh, with that. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we are we are done for the day. I appreciate your time. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, sir. man. Me too. I was yeah. glad to be here. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Right, thank man. you. Right. Thanks.